Welcome everybody to another episode of Clear Cut Sports. I'm your host Seth. Excited to be with you on a Wednesday edition. First half of a double header, first half a double dip, as per usual Wednesdays. Hope everyone's doing well out there, staying safe. Um, always continuing to keep myself as updated as possible on the uh, situations, of course, and. Minnesota and amongst other places. Um, hope everyone around the country um, is doing okay, staying indoors, staying safe, following procedures and curfews. Um, we can get through this. I believe we can. I think we will. But let's get into today's uh, discussions. And we're going to start off, you know, different people say different things about how they feel about, uh, you know, the racism and the discrimination in the United States. You know, Tiger Woods says something. Many NFL executives and NBA players, LeBron James, probably one of the most prominent and probably one of the uh, most respected and accurate um, of all the, uh, of all the, uh, what we've heard. And then, Vic Fangio, the head coach of the Denver Broncos, comes out. And he says that this is not a direct quote, but essentially what he says is he does not see racism or discrimination in the NFL. Now, he did not say within the Denver Broncos. He did not say, you know, within the executives. He did not say, um, you know, within some certain component of the NFL. He said the NFL in its entirety. Before I say get anything too much into that, I think Vic Fangio is a heck of a coach. I absolutely love what he's doing in Denver. I think Denver's going to surprise a lot of people this year. And I like him as a coach. This is not a shot against Vic Fangio as a coach. And I just believe he's deserving to be a coach. But I think he is wrong about that statement. And he's also entitled to his opinion. Maybe he doesn't see it. Maybe he sees it differently than I or you or anybody else. But for me personally, I think he is wrong in this regard. It's not like the the players, you know, white white football players get paid more or something like that than, you know, African-Americans. It's not anything like that. I believe on the player side, you know, for contracts and things of that nature, I think he's right. Where I think he's wrong is if he had said just that, then maybe he could have gotten away with it. And there's probably some level of racism somewhere. But where he's wrong is he said the whole NFL – And all you have to do is look at the number of head coaches, the number of coordinators, executives, general managers, owners, and you will see that something is amiss. Earlier, you know, a week or two ago, 
the NFL made an amendment to the Rooney Rule. The Rooney Rule, of course, um, being implemented in the 2000s, stating that you have to interview um, minority um, people for the um, for head coaching positions. And it has further been amended a few weeks ago. The reason the Rooney Rule is put in place is quite frankly because there's racism and discrimination in the NFL with regards to hiring practices. The amount of head coaches, the amount of coordinators, The amount of it is it is not even close. Right now, we have three NFL African American coaches: Mike Tomlin of the Steelers, Brian Flores of the Miami Dolphins, and Anthony Lynn of the LA Chargers. That's it. In a league where we see. a league that is has a lot of African-American players. General managers. We have two African-American general managers in Andrew Barry and Chris Greer. So, maybe Vic Fangio doesn't see this. Maybe Vic Fangio is oblivious to this. Or maybe he's just ignoring the fact that there is racism and discrimination against executive positions in the NFL. Owners, they're only... Buffalo Bills and the Jacksonville Jaguars are the only two with minority owners. And there's a bunch of executive positions that I don't have the stats on. So Vic Fangio, if you are listening, you are entitled to your opinion. I will never say that nobody is not entitled to their opinion. But there's a lot more into it than just, oh, there's no racist or discriminatory remarks. You have to look deeper than that. And when you see a, a, a league of 32 teams with only three head coaches and a, two GMs and two owners of minorities, and then I'm sorry, it's discriminatory. It is. And that's just in the NFL. The M- the NBA, Michael Jordan, he owns the Charlotte Hornets. That might be the only non-white owner in the N- NBA. It's just, it seems like at the top we have white folks and then the players seem to be, you know, majority black. Which, I mean, 
not the but the players, but we need to see more. We need to see more African American and other minorities in the higher up positions. It's just egregious. It should be addressed somehow. I don't have the answer how. But the bottom line here is I think Vic Fangio is wrong in that remark. I disagree with his opinion. Maybe he disagrees with mine. But that's what I have to say about Vic Fangio. So, the NBA came out with a reported um, reported um, idea about a 22-team uh, season starting in uh, late July. And this uh, would take place in Orlando at Disney. So along along with the the uh, sixteen playoff teams, which I discussed last week, I believe, just to go over them very quickly. In the East, you have Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Miami, Indiana, Philly, Brooklyn, Orlando. In the West, you have the Lakers, Clippers, Denver, Utah, Oklahoma City, Houston, Dallas, and Memphis. Those are your sixteen playoff teams. Now, now what we're seeing, they're going to add six more teams to the regular season. And here's how it would go. Any team that is within six games of the eighth seed in their respective conferences would be invited to the uh, season. Which means, in the West, you would have, so the Memphis Grizzlies are the eighth seed. Nine is the Trailblazers, then the Pelicans, the Kings, the Spurs, and the Suns. Those five teams go to or uh, Disney to, you know, play in the regular play in the NBA season. Minnesota, Golden State, you're going home. In the East, however, only the Washington Wizards are within that six-game threshold, so they're the only team of the East that would go play. That means the Hornets, the Bulls, the Knicks, the Pistons, the Hawks, and the Cavaliers. You're going home. So that would leave 22 teams, as I said, to play in the season. What it would look like so far of the information that we have, every team plays eight regular season games to get, you know, for standings and whatnot. So from what I gather, this means that even though the Grizzlies are the eight seed, if they lose a couple and the Spurs win a couple, the Spurs can jump up in the eight seed. And so on and so forth. And at the, if there is a, if the ninth seed is within four games of the eighth seed, we're going to see some single and double elimination style games for teams to get gain more of a lead or have the uh, opportunity to lose their lead for those respective decision, uh, positions. So 
and from what I also what I hear, it's expected the owners and you know the players are expected to overwhelmingly agree um, to go forward with this format, which you know is great and it's great because we're finally going to get some basketball. But here's my kind of uh, this is what I think of the uh, of the whole situation. <clears throat> The in the East, the Orlando Magic are the eighth seed with thirty wins. The Washington Wizards are the ninth seed. As I said, they're the only team in the East who would be part of the the uh, season. They have twenty four wins. Twenty four. Essentially, you're saying Washington, you've won twenty four games, which is horrible. They're twenty four and forty. Twenty eight and a half games back of Milwaukee. But since you're within the six games, you can come on down and have a chance to play in the playoffs. I think that's ridiculous. That and it's and it's just that part of it. I don't I don't believe in rewarding mediocrity or poor performances. I don't believe in it. But I can see the flip side to it as the potential to get Bradley Beal and John Wall in the playoffs. And that would be good, better for ratings, especially in the Washington area. But, and, you know, the same can be said, of course, definitely for Portland, definitely for New Orleans with Dame Lillard, C.J. McCollum in Portland, and then Zion in, in New Orleans. For Phoenix, Devin Booker, same thing. But again... The Suns have 26 wins, and I would, I hate rewarding mediocrity. Hate it. Now, I was on record of saying I love the idea of the World Cup-style format, you know, with different groups, and you play your group twice, and then the top two seeds from each group move on. The only thing with that I don't like is that for the you know the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, and the Raptors, that you know the top four, you're kind of diminishing what they did in the regular season. But by having this, this idea, you don't diminish that at all. They still have the first overall seeds. Well, you know, top two going in. They have eight games to, you know, most likely the the Lakers and the Bucks will continue to be the one seeds. The Lakers are five and a half on the Clippers and the Bucks are six and a half on the Raptors. So most likely they would still finish first through these through this eight game, you know, regular season. So you're not taking away what they accomplished in the normal regular season through this idea, which I think is fabulous. But again, the the mediocrity and rewarding that I don't I don't like I don't agree with, but moving more into this, here's what I think what would happen standings wise. Now, it obviously we, there's no schedule yet, so we don't know who's going to play who and you know how that would impact the standings. But basically, for the the out the I'm going to do the seven eight seeds, and then 
the remaining teams, you know, the Wizards in the East and then the other five in the West, Blazers, Pelicans, Kings, Spurs, Suns. Where do I think, like, would San Antonio jump into the eighth seed? Would, you know, the Nets fall out of the seventh seed in the East? Here's what I think how it will shake out. And again, it's hard to do because there's no schedule. Um, I don't know who will be playing who, but I'm going to try my best here just to give it a shot. And if we do get a schedule in a few, in the upcoming weeks, I will, you know, take a look at it and amend my um, prediction here. So in the East, like I said, Milwaukee's fine, Toronto's fine, Boston's fine. <clears throat> So for the Brooklyn Nets, the Orlando Magic, and the Washington Wizards, Brooklyn Nets are seventh, Orlando's eighth, and Washington is the ninth. The Brooklyn Nets are six games up on the Wizards, and the Orlando Magic are four and a half games up on the Wizards. Yes, on the Wizards. So that means... In order for Washington to make the playoffs, they would have to at least gain four and a half, probably five games on the Orlando Magic. Do I? I don't think that's going to happen because neither team is real strong, so I don't see them winning a lot of games. The Wizards would have to beat Orlando and the Nets. And, you know, some, some other teams upset a couple of teams in order for them to make it into the playoffs. I don't think that would be realistic, especially since they're already, you know, four and a half games back. So, I, I'm going to go with the, the East stays the same. We might see some shuffling around. You know, maybe between Brooklyn and Orlando and in the middle, you know, between the Sixers, Pacers, and Heat. But as for the what teams will end up making it, I think it's going to stay the same eight. Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Miami, Indy, Philly, Brooklyn, Orlando. Now, the West is interesting because you have the Grizzlies at the eight seed and then the nine, 10, and 11 seed are all tied. Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento are all tied being three and a half games out. San Antonio at four. And then Phoenix at the six. So Phoenix, I don't think has a chance to make it. They're gonna they'd have so many things would have to go right for them, but they're not gonna make it. San Antonio now, they could make some noise because if any team in the NBA is gonna Come into this, you know, into this, you know, eight game regular season thing prepared. It's going to be them because of Popovich and the structure of the Spurs. I don't think the King, the Kings, don't have the firepower. They're they're playing well, but I don't think when in crunch time they will end up making it. New Orleans, I don't think so either. Portland, I do. I like Portland. I think Dame Lillard, C.J. McCollum are excellent, and I think. If Hassan Whiteside can get his turn turn around and you know be a role player, I think they can make some noise. And if Nurkic comes back, I love him a lot. So between the Spurs and the Blazers, we may see them one of them sneak into that eight seed. Dallas 
is the seventh seed, and they are a full ten games up in the Blazers and the Pelicans and the Kings. So Dallas is fine. It's just Memphis that might get knocked around a bit. My prediction is we will see the Portland Trail Blazers take over that eight seed on Memphis. So it will look like this. Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Jazz, Thunder, Rockets, Mavericks, and then the Trail Blazers instead of the Grizzlies. San Antonio is a close second, but uh, the talent just isn't there, even though Popovich is an excellent coach, but one of the best of all time. But I think Portland, we're going to see them sneak into the playoffs. So overall, I kind of like this format. It's intriguing. It doesn't diminish what the uh, top seeds have done in the normal regular season. It adds some intrigue. Teams, The eight games will get teams, you know, they're not jumping right into the playoffs, so teams will have some games to prepare. So I like this idea. Not quite as much as I like the World Cup idea, but that might have been far-fetched anyways. But hopefully this passes through and we get some basketball very soon. Thanks for tuning in. This is the first half of the Double Dip on a Wednesday edition of Clear Cut Sports. I'll catch you all next time. Until then, stay safe, everybody.